Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Welcome to another sweet hour of spirit in music. My guest for today's Song of the Soul is Ellen Bloom Nenneman. I met Ellen because her husband, Bob, does another program on WHYS, where my program started out. Though Ellen is not a DJ for the most part and is a reluctant public speaker, she took a deep breath, offered to share her Song of the Soul, speaking about her mostly private spiritual life. She's a gentle and heartful person, and I'm pleased Ellen Bloom Nineman could join us today. Ellen, thanks so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. I'm really glad to be here. Aren't you guys going on a trip very shortly? We are leaving for Florida. After the first two cloudy, cold weeks of fall, I told my husband I need to get out of here and go somewhere warm and sunny, so we'll be leaving for Florida for a few weeks. Well, I think it's unfortunate that you won't be able to partake of our cold for those few weeks. I'm sure that you'll be missing it. You'll be missing snow, missing gray skies stuck down there in beautiful Florida. Why don't you tell folks about your connection to WHYS, the low-power FM station here in Eau Claire? Well, my husband became interested in doing a radio show. He found that Wise had an opening for programs, and so he sent in his idea for a program, which is Songs in the Key of Nam, and it was accepted. He needed a volunteer backup, so I went down to the station with him, and I kind of learned all the how to use the soundboards and the electronic equipment, and he calls me his producer, but I don't really do much for him. 
So we kind of help each other out and volunteer for other activities that WISE puts on. Uh, his program is Songs in the Key of Nam. Uh, it really is focused on music of the time of the Vietnam War. Is this a major source of enthusiasm for you? Is this something the two of you share? Actually, when we started, I said, oh, I hope I don't have to do this with you. <laughs> and after coming down for the first couple of weeks, I really learned a lot. You know, I've been watching my husband do these Vietnam presentations for years, but when he put the music with it is when I really started learning a lot about him and about the Vietnam War, and I have a new appreciation for it, and I, I really like being part of a community radio station. You said the two of you have been married for 18 years. His connection with Vietnam predates you then by quite a bit. Is this somehow influential in who he is and then maybe who you are together? Or what's your connection with Vietnam? Well, I grew up and knew probably only one person who had gone to Vietnam. So I didn't know a lot about it. I didn't have a lot of experience with the Vietnam history. At first when I met him, he never talked about it. And when I saw his first presentation, it was after we were married, and I, I cried. You know, I just all the sadness that he must have experienced came out, and it, it was very touching. He served in Vietnam, right? And you didn't know other people who served? How, how does it happen that you didn't have those connections because so many of us have uh, those people all around us? Well, I was in the 70s, you know, I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I grew up in a small town, so there weren't a lot of vets that I knew. And if I did know them, we didn't have much contact with it, them. My parents didn't really talk about the war very much. I had one teacher in school who was a Vietnam vet, but really, we just didn't talk about it. What did you grow up religiously? What was the small town you lived in, and, and how did this form you? I'm just trying to get an idea of what environment you're coming from. Well, this is interesting because I grew up in a, the small town of Ripon, Wisconsin, in the eastern part of the state, which is also the, the claim to the birthplace of the Republican Party. So I grew up Republican, very religious. I was Wisconsin Synod Lutheran. Ripon is a manufacturing town, or it was at the time. Ripon Good Cookies, you might have heard of, and Speed Queen washers and dryers. And we are of German descent, so we are a very stoic, hardworking, German work ethic family. And so that's pretty much who I was when I grew up. And if you were Wisconsin Synod Lutheran, for those who don't know, most people would describe it as the very conservative end of Lutheran, as opposed to ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, tends to have a, a broader mix, including a number of liberal folks. So did you grow up believing that women were supposed to be quiet in church? I believed everything that the church told me to believe. And, yeah, that that's part of it. Women have no voice in the church. Another part of it is we weren't allowed to pray with other people when they were in, a, like if we had to go to a wedding at another church, we weren't allowed to pray with those other people. Our God was, you know, the only God. It was a very strict religion. You say this as, I was or I believed everything they believed. That leads me to believe that you do not share those same beliefs these days. What What happened? Well, it wasn't, I don't think, any one single thing that happened. It was a, a process. Much of it was a painful process, but it was a, my spirituality 
probably I didn't really even know there was a difference between religion and spirituality until I was in my 30s. Unfortunately, I did not get my spirituality through my religion. God bless the people who can do that and who can, you know, find the two in one. That was not the path for me. Normally, I'd think of someone doing that transition. You need to take a period away from any influence just to be able to find yourself. Did you go through that kind of phase? Well, I think the first step was going to college. No one in my family had graduated from college. So when it was time for me to go beyond high school, I chose a college that was pretty far away from home, and that was Eau Claire. And, you know, I began experiencing what other families were like, and I think that probably was the start of it. Meeting different people, being exposed to new ideas, having that educational freedom, it just grew from there. So you would have been coming to Eau Claire, what, late 70s? 1980, I came to Eau Claire and lived here ever since. Well, I'm glad you landed in heaven and stuck with it. (laughs) I guess Rippin wasn't heaven in spite of Rippin Good Cookies. So, Ellen, I take it you no longer classify yourself as Lutheran or maybe not religious at all. Is that what I understand? I don't identify myself with any single religion. I do believe in God. But as I said, it's more of a spiritual practice I have now. It's not based on rules and dogma. I think I I lived a lot of my life early as this human, kind of knowing I had this soul that would go on after I died, but that I had to just follow the rules and be good and try hard so that my soul could get to this place called heaven. And now I feel more like I'm a soul, and I'm contained in this physical human body, which is challenging, but that... I'm more soul now than I am body. And it's a beautiful soul. And I want to talk about the music that you're bringing to us today. It's clear to me from this music, the very strong spiritual side that you have, you handed me a CD with, uh, I don't know, about 20 songs on it or so, and you said this is something you put together a few years ago. Tell me about how you came to this collection. We're going to be listening to a third of the songs on this. Why did you put together this collection? What does this represent for you? This collection represents just what I find to be very uplifting music. When I chose these songs, I chose songs that I felt were at a vibration that was light. You know, I think of energy and music as energy and vibration and high vibration. And usually when I'm feeling angry or sad or out of sorts. I want something that's going to uplift me. I don't want to put on a country western singer who's talking about heartbreak or, you know, a a rock singer who's talking about violence or drugs, you know. I want something that's going to uplift me and, and move me to a higher level. And so I chose these songs and each one has kind of a reminder of what I want in life and where I want to go, not what I don't want. I take it that the first one, which is Shambhala by Three Dog Night, I take it that you want Shambhala. I don't think that in the Wisconsin Synod of Lutheran Church that they teach you that you're supposed to aspire to go to Shambhala. You're supposed to go to heaven, I think. But Shambhala is a kind of heaven, isn't it? Well, yeah, Shambhala, I guess, is the heaven. My first spiritual experience was when I was reading the Celestine Prophecy series of books, 
And one of the last books in the series had to do with Shambhala, finding that Shambhala. I had never heard of it before that. And I guess I grew up with Three Dog Night, and I never realized what that was. I sang the song, but I didn't know what Shambhala was. Over the years, I've gained my spirituality through reading, through going to workshops, through talking with people. And now, I guess what I'm reading and working with is the law of attraction. And I've been doing that for the past year. I put this CD together a couple of years ago, and and as I started listening to it again, it really is reflecting what I want from life and following kind of what I'm studying right now with the law of attraction. And the law of attraction says, you know, think about what you want, not about what you don't want. Because if you think about what you want, that vibration will attract those situations and experiences to you. So in the song, you know, I'm thinking of what is it like on the road to Shambhala? The goal isn't getting to Shambhala, but the goal is actually the journey is what's important. So it talks about on the road to Shambhala and what you would encounter there. And I I guess that's the important part for me. You say you take workshops. A workshop is usually a kind of a temporary sort of community that supports you in, in your vision, that helps you move toward that. Usually a marriage is a type of community that supports you. Where do you find the greatest support for your road to Shambhala and the other things that you're reaching toward? Well, my main support was my husband and has been for the last 18 years. And that's a story in itself. You know, I was not attracted to him when I first met him, and it took six years until we finally dated and got married because I had an idea in my head of what I wanted. That idea wasn't really what was nurturing my soul. And I was resisting, I guess I was resisting my own path, and I lived from crisis to crisis. So when it came time to it came time to break down a lot of my judgments, my self-righteous attitudes, my mental patterns to get to where I could become more spiritual. So after my dad had a really unfortunate accident where I needed to care for him for a while, and I left my career in teaching, and I, I love learning, so I decided I was going to take you know, classes and I was going to learn something. And I signed up for what I thought was an astronomy class, and it turned out to be astrology, and that was pretty much the start. After that class, I took all kinds of classes and flower essence and homeopathic workshops. I took an angel workshop. I took feng shui workshops. I read books about health and healing. I read books about numerology. And if I'm not mistaken, about half of those things would be contraindicated by Wisconsin Synod Lutheran. I mean, astrology, I I think that would be just a great big no. Did you have to go through guilt and reaction against this? I went through a lot of guilt. In fact, you know, I was taught that anything that was pretty much metaphysical, psychics or astrology, that was evil. The powers came from the devil. So... You know, when I experienced this class for the first time, I I felt kind of bad being in it. And then I thought, well, you know, this isn't so scary. This isn't so bad. And when I began studying the metaphysical, it, it was very hard to justify. And I know at the time also I was going through a lot of emotional crisis. And I, of course, what do you do? You go to the pastor of your church. And I was telling him I was feeling depressed. And he told me, you know, don't pay attention to your feelings. And... 
that was so contrary to what my mentor was telling me, my counselor, that I basically had a breakdown. It was so much for me to handle, and I walked away from my religion. A pastor came to my house and told me I was on the path to hell, and it was terrifying. And as soon as I walked out the door, I thought, I'm going to get hit by a truck, and I'm going straight to hell. I mean, and, you know, I was in my 30s. You know, people were just laughing at me, and I said, but this is my religion. It was so ingrained in me. After that, you know, it was all uphill because that was my hell. You know, at that moment was breaking all those mental constraints that I had and breaking out. And I have since gone through the whole, why was I in that religion? And I have really good feelings about that religion because some people do need to be in that place. Some people do need to have that religion. I appreciate how they're living because that's what they're supposed to be doing. When my father died, it was that church who stepped in, threw him a wonderful funeral. So, you know, I see a need for all kinds of viewpoints and religions and types of churches, and I have really no bad feelings about that religion. You talked about the road to hell. Instead of that, let's go on the road to Shambhala. Let's listen to your first song for your Song of the Soul. It is Road to Shambhala by Three Dog Night. Wash away my troubles, wash away my pain with the rain in Shambhala. Wash away my sorrow, wash away my shame with the rain in Shambhala. Shine in the halls of Shambhala. Tell me how does the light shine in the halls of Shambhala? 
You're listening to Song of the Soul. My guest today on Song of the Soul is Ellen Bloom. Do you like to go by your, I guess, maybe maiden name, too? Ninnaman, I believe, is the last name? Actually, I never changed my name when I got married. So my name is Ellen Ninnaman, and I added Bloom in there because my husband had a quite a few hospital stays, and it was so much easier to say, I'm Ellen Bloom Nineman, so that the doctors would know, oh, she is related, because there is quite an age difference between us, and sometimes they would, you know, say, who are you, when I would go to the hospital to visit him. So, yeah, it's Ellen Bloom Nineman, and I'm fine with Ellen. (laughs) Well, let's continue on the road of your song of the soul. We've been to Shambhala, and... Now we're going to uh, head to Utopia, which is, the road to Shambhala is a kind of utopia. I think there must be part of you that is highly idealistic, highly visionary for this world. I think idealistic would be a, a good way of saying it, but I think at this point I'm ready to take my creative power and change my thoughts and change the old thinking and the negative patterns. And I like this song because it talks about Everyone on the road to Shambhala, everyone is helpful, everyone is kind. And right now, I guess that's what I'm working towards. I want to view people as helpful and supportive and kind because I haven't had a lot of that in my life. And, you know, even my family, I think, if they heard me talking about this, would cringe because they they don't know my spiritual beliefs. And so the support I've had have come from healers, health practitioners in homeopathic medicine, and from my husband. But there are very few people that I have found that I can discuss my spiritual beliefs with. Utopia is the second song that you chose. How did you get connected with Utopia? Well, I've been a fan of Alanis Morissette for quite a few years, and everyone that listens to her probably knows that her first album was the Angry album. You know, she was very angry, and at the time I was very angry, so I really resonated with that. You know, I think I I went through periods of anger and grief and anger and grief and disappointment, and I decided that that needs to go now, and I need to start focusing on what I want. And when you get to the point of having focused for 40-some years on the bad things in your life and the experiences that you didn't want, and you have to start thinking about what you do want, it's almost frightening. I mean, there's almost a blank page there, and you think, well, what do I want? You know, what do I want out of a job or a career? What do I want out of my friendships? And so I think in my mind, if I had to create a utopia for myself, what would that be? And probably this is the song that I could relate to the most out of all the songs that I have here. Are there any of the lyrics that particularly jump out for you that that really resonate the most strongly with you? All of them. (laughs) You know, I like especially she talks about being in a group where everyone has equal power, equal power to speak out and everyone is heard and everyone is accepted for what they say and what they believe and As you can tell from my past, that wasn't the case. You believed what the church told you to believe, and that's it. But also the fact that when I grew up, I had two older sisters and an older brother. So I was the youngest in the family. I didn't have a chance to really say what I wanted to say without someone saying, oh, wait until you get to high school. You're not going to get good grades in high school, you know, those kinds of things growing up. So it's nice to be with a group of people 
as Alanis talks about, we'd provide forums, we'd all speak out, we'd all be heard, we'd all feel seen, and I think I can really resonate with that right now. Let's listen to Alanis Morissette, Utopia is the Song.
for Ray Alanis, Utopia, wonderful song. You know, I don't know much of Alanis's music. You mentioned her first album is her angry album. Where does this come in the progression? Well, I have four of her albums, and this was one of the later ones. After her first or second trip to India, I can't remember, but I know she did go to an ashram. Basically, you know, she's a singer of expressing emotion. And I think that's why I can really relate to her, too. She expresses emotion if it's raw, if it's, you know, uncomfortable to other people. It doesn't matter. She, as an artist, can express that. And I really admire that. I think because for so long I have not been able to express the emotion that I've needed to express that it kind of comes out in a volcanic sort of way sometimes. And, you know, being from the good stoic German descent that I grew up in, we weren't allowed to express a lot of emotion. I'm a really sensitive emotional type, so that was very frustrating for me. Okay, so we were on the road to Shambhala, we headed to Utopia, and the next thing is to hop on a peace train. Tell me about how this comes about to you. Weren't you a little young to connect with Peace Train? I know it was a, a wonderful, powerful song for me when I was just reaching end of high school. Well, yeah, but actually my I had a really cool sixth-grade music teacher who played a lot of Cat Stevens, so I, I've always liked Cat Stevens. And I took out my Greatest Hits album probably a couple of years ago, and, and I heard this song. You know, I've heard it before, but it started to resonate more with me because of basically what's going on in the world. And the law of attraction says you can help most to add peace to the world by being peaceful yourself. Because if you're peaceful inside, you'll be attracting that vibration and sending that vibration out. You know, Peace Train talks about getting on the train, and, and I like the song because it shows movement. You know, if everyone just held peace in their hearts, and sometimes <clears throat> I can get kind of political starts to stir up a lot of anger or, or a lot of disappointment or dis mistrust of the government, and that that's not helping in my life, or I don't think putting that those feelings out there is really helpful in the to the world. And I think if we all held the thought of peace, the mass consciousness could be toward peace. The song is Peace Train. At the time it was called Cat Stevens, now known as Yusuf Islam, one of the really inspirational tunes of the time. Now I've been happy lately Thinking about the good things to come And I believe it could be Something good has begun Oh, I've been smiling lately Dreaming about the world at one And I believe it could be Someday it's going to come Cause out on the edge of darkness There is a peace train country, come take me home again. Yeah, I've been smiling lately, thinking about the good things to come, and I believe it could be something good has begun. Oh, peace train sounding louder, right on the peace train. Good friends too. A car 
listening to Ellen Bloom Nenemann's Song of the Soul. I'm Mark Helpsmeet of Northern Spirit Radio, your host, and we're listening to the music related to Ellen's spiritual journey. I have to thank you, Ellen, for picking out one of my top favorites, really. One of the things that I identify that song that for me is moving is it's almost got a gospel-type energy to it, right on the peace train and the whole way we're doing this together. Well, and just the metaphor of the train being the holy roller, I thought that was kind of cute, too. For us, that's a lot better vision of holy rollers than some that we might have had before. But speaking of holy rollers, let's go on to a gospel medley. Is gospel music in general something that interests you? No, as a matter of fact, it really hasn't. When I was growing up, not only was I you know, in the religion I was in, but my mom had two brothers who were both pastors, ministers, of different religions. Um, One is still a Methodist pastor, and my aunt is Mennonite. So there were a lot of different religions coming together, and a lot of times when they would come for holidays, they would want us to go to charismatic churches, join in, and and it was very uncomfortable for me as a child. That music still does not appeal to me very much today because of that. So why did you choose gospel medley since it's so uncomfortable for you? Are you just fighting your childhood training? No, actually, I can, I can relate to this as people 
of other cultures. And I think, you know, I like Destiny's Child, so that, that helps a lot. I do like that they're talking, it's okay that they're talking about Jesus, because I do still believe that Jesus is an ascended master, although I'm, I don't really see Jesus as the savior of the world anymore. But I do believe he is an ascended master, and I like the song because it's so simple. I think I've really struggled throughout my life with having gratitude. And when I'm starting to feel a little bit out of sorts or, you know, a little bit angry, I have to remember that I do have a lot to be thankful for, a lot of people in my life, a lot of experiences I've had. And so I put this song on, and it's so simple. It's just a simple expression of gratitude. Actually, this is a medley of songs, so it's a few, but I think you must be referring to the You've Been So Good part where... Thank you, Lord, hallelujah. That, is that the part that you're referring to? Yes, the whole idea of being blessed. And the more I see myself as blessed, I hopefully will be attracting more of that kind of vibration in my life. I think gratitude is one of the more, most important practices that we can have in life. Well, thank you for bringing that to us. See, I'm practicing gratitude by saying that to you. <laughs> Let me mention uh, the three parts, I think, to this medley. You've been so good, now behold the Lamb, and Jesus loves me. And it's interesting in the styling of the music, I wouldn't describe about two-thirds of this song as being gospel. It's uh, got melodies that are closer to maybe something that the Indigo Girls would do or something, but then sometimes it breaks in and does real gospel. Let's listen to Destiny's Child sing it to us. It's a gospel medley of You've Been So Good, Now Behold the Lamb, and Jesus Loves Me. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah. You've been so good to me. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah. I'm grateful for my blessings. I'm grateful for my struggles, trials and tribulations I've been through. I've realized no one can love like you do. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah, I feel your presence near. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah. I won't hope in my tears. I gave you my trust and you took me out of the dark rain. My Lord, I survived it. I give You've been so good You've been so good to me I'm so grateful for my blessings Giving you all the praise Lord, you've been so good You've been so good to me I'm grateful for all of my blessings 
blessings, giving you all the praise. Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, he does. Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, he does. Jesus loves me. a gospel medley by Destiny's Child. Well, let's go right along, Ellen, to the next song that you've chosen. You said that gratitude is perhaps the most important practice that we can have. And so you've brought in Alanis Morissette again to remind us to say thank you. This song in particular, is this one that you sit and sing to yourself? Are you, I haven't asked you, do you sing? Are you Do you sing outside the shower? I like to sing, and I used to sing. My best friend that I had since kindergarten and I used to sing all the time. And, you know, we were growing up, we called each other the singing sisters. And when I get together with her, I still sing with her. But I don't really sing very much except to myself or, you know, at home. Well, tell me a little bit more about your reaction to thank you. I got the message of thank you throughout the song, but I'm not sure, I guess, the chorus Thank you, India. Thank you, terror. Thank you, disillusionment. Thank you, frailty. Thank you, consequence. And thank you, thank you, silence. I'm not sure what the theme is there. What? How do you hear that chorus? Well, unlike the, the Destiny's Child song that was so simple, I, I think Alanis Morissette is so deep with her lyrics. I happened to look up the lyrics to the song and saw a blog of all the discussion of what the song is about, and it was quite detailed. But for me, she's thanking... Thank you, terror. Thank you, disillusionment. Thank you, frailty. Thank you, consequence. Those are all things we wouldn't necessarily think of being grateful for or thankful for. But when you're in a 12-step program, a lot of negative experiences you've had, you find that you are grateful for them because they have made you a better person. And I guess that's what I resonate with when I hear her thanking terror, thanking frailty, because a lot of the negative experiences have moved me to where I am on my spiritual path. I probably would have liked to have done it in a nicer way, but the way that I went through my crises was the way it happened. And and I'm very grateful that there were so many people to help me through the, the negative experiences in my life. Alanis Morissette is one of Ellen's favorites, and this song should point out to you why. The song is Thank You. How about getting off of these antibiotics? 
Thank you by Alanis Morissette. In the chorus, I still don't know, thank you, India. Why is that in the mix, along with terror and disillusionment and everything else? What's India got to do with it? Well, I believe this was off of her second album after her Angry album. So I I think this was after her first trip to India, where she realized, I'm sure she found a lot of her spirituality while she was there. I think she came to terms with a lot of things if you look at some of the lyrics in there about letting go is another one I can really relate to was the moment I let go of it was the moment that I got more than I could handle. The moment I jumped off of it was the moment I touched down. For me, it's all about letting go and no longer being masochistic. I really like the part about remembering your divinity. And I think some of us forget that we are soul beings. We are light. We're not just this physical thing that's running around you know, with no purpose, and we we have that soul light in us. The next song that you selected, which is from the soundtrack for Pocahontas, Colors of the Wind, it talks about a better vision, but it also refers to the, I guess, unenlightened vision of the people who came and colonized this country from Europe. How does this get included in your spiritual journey? Is this I was guessing that it was because you do have a political conscience, but that you're bringing a better vision to it. Well, the Pocahontas song says more about my roots and my feelings of Native American spirituality. One of the things that I started to do early on after I got married was to garden. I found that I really connect with my soul and my spirit when I'm outside, when I'm connecting with nature. In the last probably 18 years, I've become an organic gardener. I've studied organic foods and and nutrition and have become probably a better, healthier eater. I buy local, which I think is really important, and support the local farmer's market, which I love. You know, it makes my heart sing to walk through the farmer's market on Saturday mornings. I really like the song, The Colors of the Wind, because 
it also connects with the earth. And um, I believe one of the most important connections we can have is with nature. And in the song, Colors of the Wind, it's a, it's a children's song from the Disney movie Pocahontas, but it talks about connecting and that there's life and spirit in everything. Everything that's alive has spirit. Early on, I really connected with the Native American spirituality. I remember my first trip to the Badlands. My heart just opened, and I felt so much at home. It was, it was, it's so hard to describe, but I looked around, and I just felt like I was at home. For a long time, I worked through a lot of issues through the Native American spirituality practices and culture, and I've kind of stepped past that now. But nature is still a big part of my life. You know, when I'm feeling really frustrated and feeling like my angels aren't listening and they're not helping, you know, all of a sudden I'll see something like I saw a couple days ago, a six-point buck walking through my yard. I live in town, and it circled around three times. Something like that is, is nature's way of saying, hey, you know, quit focusing on your worries and look at me. I'm out here, you know, that beautiful buck and... It's amazing. Yeah, too many of us don't see all the colors of the wind, and it's really helpful to have reminders like this song. It's from the Pocahontas soundtrack called Colors of the Wind. You think I'm an ignorant savage, and you've been so many places, I guess it must be so, but still I cannot see if the savage one is me. How can there be so much that you don't know? You don't know. You think you own whatever land you land on. The earth is just a dead thing you can claim. But I know every rock and tree and creature Has a life, has a spirit, has a name You think the only people who are people Are the people who look and think like you But if you walk the footsteps of a stranger You'll learn things you never knew, you never knew Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue horn moon? Or ask the grinning bobcat why he grinned? Can you sing with all the voices of the mountain? Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? Can you paint with all the colors of the
That was Colors of the Wind from the Pocahontas soundtrack. Ellen, I had a slightly different reaction to the six-point buck going through the yard. Actually, I, I do revel in the beauty of such creatures. We get to see them go past the back of our house, which is out in the country. We've put up a big deer fence, so they skirt our property because we're gardeners and we have lots of food and they love the food that we prepare for them. I would think that you'd have a little bit of a distress reaction seeing them coming through your yard. Oh yeah, I have that too. We have everything fenced in that we want to keep. Sadly to say that every one of our neighbors around us chemicalizes. So we have nature coming to our lawn in droves. It's really too bad because we're to the point where we're overrun with nature because they find such good eats at our house. That's been a little source of frustration, and I'm constantly trying to find a way to balance my environment outside. Well, it's good that you're doing the work, and you know, you're planting seeds yourself by living the way you do in the city and passing it on, and by sharing your song of the soul. So I want to thank you for doing that. Well, I have to tell you, I was really nervous at first, but I feel really good about having been able to share with you my beliefs, because I don't think anyone I know has the same exact beliefs that I have. Thanks again, Alan. You've been privileged this hour, I think, to be a guest and witness to Ellen Bloom Nenemann's Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. Sing out a song of the soul and-